If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into that about a new program that recently launched called A Bolder Way Forward. Joining me today is Emily Dorowski. She is the Associate Director of Utah Women in Leadership Project, and also Susan Spears, who is the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants, and UACPA is also the sponsor of Money Making Sense, so we're always glad when Susan can join us. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. We're we're thrilled to be talking about this. We've got a great discussion that's going to happen here. Thanks Oops. for having me. Oh, you're welcome, Emily. Now, we have talked about this before in the past, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I don't think a lot of people, especially if you are in the what we'll call the white majority, really understand why it's so important to have diversity, not only in the workplace, but in your neighborhoods with people that don't look exactly like you or think like you in positions of power. Why is this so important? So a couple things, you know, I've had the opportunity to sit on many boards over the years. And of course, I'm in a profession, CPA profession that, although I wish I could say was a good half and half male, female or better represented with all our different races, you know, cultures and everything. We lose something when we don't bring to the table those that have different thought processes, different backgrounds. And just different experiences. I, I think that we, we lose a lot. And I'll just add, Utah's becoming increasingly diverse in our population. And when we don't have leadership that represents that population, then we're not getting all of the voices that are so critical to understand how to serve everyone and how to make our communities better. If I'm a business owner and I don't have anybody who works for me or maybe even higher up the chain of my business that are diverse, that don't look like me, whether it's all black offices, all women, all men, whatever it is, if everybody looks the same. And I don't know that I think that having a different person telling me something I maybe don't want to hear is a good thing. I think that that is a little bit of the modeling that we continue to be in currently, that's, that's kind of the culture. It's, you know, everybody needs to be like me, but we've got to understand something. And, and Emily, you hit on this beautifully. In Utah, as all over the world, all over the nation, our cultures are changing. No longer are we just a white majority. I mean, if we look in Utah, we're, we're seeing different cultures just expand and grow. And we've got to be able to understand how how these people work, kind of their backbone, their experiences, kind of what they bring to the table. And we're seeing another thing. I've seen this in business, and I saw that this, especially when I sold my CPA practice. I kid you not, I had a lot of clients that were not very happy with me that I didn't sell to another female CPA we continue to see lots of diversity with regards to how our businesses are owned, how they're operated, and um, not having those voices at the table cripples us. 
I personally see this when I go to healthcare providers, especially here in Utah. Most of them are still men. It takes some hunting to find a female in my area. And if I'm talking about certain issues that are more female related, even though a doctor has been trained in medicine in these fields, they don't understand because they've never experienced it. And so it's really hard to get across something that's happening to you or what you felt when somebody else will never, ever experience that. I agree. I mean, if we, and, and if we layer on other ways that people are minoritized by race, their sexual orientation, and you go into a place like, like a healthcare professional and you have all of these different ways in which you might feel like your experience is different than the majority and that person has no way to relate to you, it can feel, it can be hard. It can be hard to communicate your needs and then have those addressed. With the Utah Women in Leadership Project, you've launched a new program called A Bolder Way Forward. So Emily, tell us a little bit about this program and what its purpose is. Yes, thank you for asking. So I work for the Utah Women in Leadership Project. We're housed at Utah State University in the business, the Huntsman Business School. And we have started this new initiative in just the last six to eight to 10 months called A Boulder Way Forward. The, the purpose of this project or this initiative is to help more women and girls thrive in the state. We're trying to take this very holistic approach. We have 18 areas of focus, which is a lot, but there's so many places where women and girls need, we need to pay attention to what their experience is and how it may differ from men. And our, our goal is to take a, a systems approach where there are so many organizations and individuals doing amazing things across the state in these 18 different areas. But we're trying to say, how can we build a coalition, a, an organization where we're all working more in line with each other and more strategically together? So it's great to ask the question, how do you do this? And the goal is get more women and girls into these fields. But how exactly do you do that? I mean, just everybody going, oh, that's what we want to do. Okay, we're done. I, mean I think that you've hit on a, a key element is, you know, I, I would say we're at this point where we have identified and brought on leaders that are kind of like Susan, who are already out and working in finance or working in domestic violence or working to improve educational attainment. So we, we have leaders set up. We have this launch event where we're drumming up interest and, and excitement and momentum. And now the next phase is taking this, you know, um, networked set of leaders and taking to the next step of action. What are our metrics going to be that we're going to be looking at? What are our outcomes? And then what programs and specific initiatives are going to help achieve those? Do you have, aside from the goal of just getting more women into areas that we don't usually see them in, especially here in Utah, we talked about metrics. I mean, are you talking about by the year 2035, you want to see 50% female, male in wherever? We are looking at setting those kinds of measurable goals. I, I think we want to be 
bold. That's our, our bolder way forward. We want to be bold, but we also want them to be, you know, realistic, right? Something that we can reach. We might have like a broad vision. I mean, our broad vision for domestic violence is it wouldn't exist in Utah, right? But we're going to have to take smaller steps forward, build awareness, build prevention resources. So there's this grand ultimate thing we want to achieve, but we're going to have to figure out what are the steps that lead us there. We do need to take a break. When we come back, we'll still be speaking with Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA, and also Emily Dorowski. She is the Associate Director of Utah Women in Leadership Project. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. Joining me today is Emily Dorowski. She is the Associate Director of Utah Women in Leadership Project and Susan Spears, the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs. And we've just been discussing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but we're sort of concentrating on getting more women in the state of Utah into fields that we just aren't seeing them in this state. But there are several other states that are also struggling to get women an equal footing with men. I did want to ask, how does having more women and people of different colors and and diversity affect my bottom line? That's the big thing is, okay, it's all great that we want to have all these other people, but does including them help me? I think that, you know me, I'm going to look at things from a financial standpoint. And as we model businesses, as we design things, you know, design things, engineer things or whatever, typically in the past, because we've had male dominated fields, if you will, things were designed for men. So let me give you an example. For years, I've I've driven a, a Tahoe, Chevrolet Tahoe. And um, it's been interesting for me to watch the design changes over the years. And I remember back in 2003, I bought one. And I noticed that the, um, like some of the tabs, like the locks and stuff had a little curve underneath. You know, you just didn't push, you just didn't push it down anymore. There was a a curve that you could reach under and lift it up or, or push it down. And I made, and um, at the time I was kind of into some of this stuff, you know, I mean, I was still fairly early in my career, but I was noticing some of these inequities or whatever. I mean, I would say, why can't I just design things so that fill in the blank, you know, it's, it's user-friendly for me, my own selfish reasons or whatever. Well, I had made this comment to the salesman and he said, you know, GM had been very intentional and deliberate in trying to in seeking to hire female engineers to fit the needs of our women drivers because they knew that women were driving these vehicles. So thus the curve was born because many women would get their nails done. Uh-huh. I know that sounds kind of silly, but that example has always stuck with me. If we didn't have a if we didn't have a a woman on the sitting on the team or whatever, would that change have ever been made? No. Have either of you read Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez? No. It's this book that talks about how so many things have been designed and and based on data that's largely derived from men, and she just kind of walks through when individuals take into data 
from women that things improve, even things like related to urban planning, like where, um, how are the, the, she talks about this study where they were looking at how roads are plowed for snow and they tended to do like the, the urban areas before the more rural areas where like mothers are maybe taking their kids to school and they just made some adjustments to take into account the needs of women and they overall saved money and just had better outcomes by like taking into account all people's perspectives. So I think that's just like what Susan was saying in this example, when we take into account the perspectives of a diverse set of individuals, we're going to notice things and we're going to make changes that I think ultimately can improve the bottom line. That's always a good thing. So what else about a bolder way forward program are you working on, Emily? So I do, uh, in my role, I do a lot of our, I help with our research publications. So we, about once or twice a month, we put out a report, whether it's a snapshot, which is kind of an overview of some topic or a brief, which is based on a research study of new data. And we try to kind of help Utah see what is, um, so for example, we just um, recently put one out about mammography. What does mammography look like? for women in Utah compared to the nation. And so in in my role, I'm trying to help raise awareness about what the experience of women is in the state. And that helps the Boulder Way Forward because we're getting that data out there and we can use that to propel conversations about what the needs are, what needs to change, and how we might make that change happen. Susan, what is it that you want to see personally? Because I know you're involved in this program. Do you have your own sort of agenda for this? No, but yes. If we look at the whole bolder way forward and the impacts of, of women on society, and I would invite everyone to go to the website. If you go to the usu.edu website, you're going to see that there are different areas of focus, whether it's education or safety, health and well-being, workplace and everything, finance, finance, of course. The beauty of this is there are so many things that are interlinked into our environment and in our society. And having that awareness, you know, bringing people together, I think what this organization is going to do is rather than silo these different areas of challenges that not only does Utah have challenges with, but our nation, maybe other states will take notice and look at the modeling that Dr. Susan Madsen and her group have been doing. But rather than siloing them, what we're going to see is they all overlap. And of course, you know, I've been involved in the finance world for more than 30 years, and finance impacts everything we do. I mean, and this is what we're learning as we're designing these spokes and you know, some of the rims and the impact of these teams is now, rather than one organization creating their own program for their organization, I'm hoping what we're going to find is with this interlapping that there'll be collaboration between organizations and we can leverage off each other and have a better outreach to not only those in need, but also just anybody and everybody. I mean, this is not a women's only initiative, if you will. Everybody is part. Everybody plays a role in this. And I think that that's the beauty as well. 
Yeah, how are you getting men involved in this push to get more women into all fields, Emily? Yeah, the full website, you can go to bolderwayforward.org, just so that's the direct link and it will take you to our page. And as Susan was saying, we kind of have this um, analogy of a wheel. So that's why she was saying spoke and rim. So the spokes are these 18 areas of focus. And then the rim, we have these topics and or concerns or issues that kind of relate to all of the different areas like male allyship, like identity, like uh, sexism. So these are things that kind of weave in and out of all of the other areas. So with male allyship specifically, our hope is to, we're, we're gathering leaders that will help kind of develop working groups that will think about ways we can increase male allyship across the state and really try to garner support from both men and women for this initiative. And then just one other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, I've kind of talked about this organizational structure that we're building for these 18 different areas, but we also want to trickle down to the grassroots. You know, we want everyone who is interested and has passion about this to get involved on our website. We do have a survey that individuals can take to kind of show how they're interested, which areas they want to get involved in, because we can't, we need everyone to play a part in making this change really press forward in um, with a faster rate and more efficiency. We need to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about something a little bit more on the national level, but I think you might be able to address it. So we'll be right back with Emily Dorowski. She is the Associate Director of Utah Women in Leadership Project and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how diversity, equity, and inclusion can help everyone's bottom line, whether you're male, female, black, white, gray, green. Joining me today is Emily Dorowski. She is the Associate Director of Utah Women in Leadership Project and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. So just recently, we had the U.S. Supreme Court, they've struck down affirmative action, which if people haven't heard about it, most people have. It was specifically designed more for colleges to get more diverse people into universities. So how do you think, Emily, that striking down affirmative action, how could that affect or will it affect women in education and business opportunities? I think we're going to see ripple effects for this decision. It's, it's probably going to take across several years with pe different people doing studies and analyses. We'll see the the impacts. But I, I would say we know that there are barriers that exist for minoritized groups in terms of getting an education, in terms of starting businesses and um, creating structuring those businesses so they're successful. And I guess I, I myself don't want us to have this zero sum uh, mentality that if some people are given opportunities, that means that all necessarily like suffer because of those opportunities given to others. So that's kind of one of my personal takes. Susan, any thoughts? It's a struggle. We certainly don't want to take away opportunities. 
And my own experience, I, I remember when I graduated from college, you know, into my first job, I was interviewing with a firm and it was actually a firm that I really wanted to go to work for. And I was on that third round. I mean, the interviewing process is too complicated in my opinion, but I remember the gentleman I was interviewing with stood up and said, well, we're required to hire at least one female for this position. And it's between you and another individual. Here I am, a snot-nosed 20-something-year-old, you know, looking for this job. But I remember feeling deflated. I remember I just stood up and I said, well, if you're hiring me because you have to hire a female rather than my merit, then I'm not your person. And I walked out the door, proceeded down to my car, and then cried all the way home because I thought, oh, I'm never going to get a job. But I, but I remember that part of affirmative action being young, and, and it's always stuck with me. I have never liked that. I think that there are other barriers into into any work, whether it's a profession, industry, or whatever, that we need to be looking at. And this is another reason that we need more diverse, more diverse work structures, more diverse people sitting in our legislatures. I struggle. That being said, I, I struggle with legislating how we do this. I always thought of it more like if you had two candidates that pretty much matched, you know, their skill levels were the same. They had mostly the same education. One was black, one was white, or one was male, one was female. That affirmative action just said you should go with the female or the black person because for so many years, they never got that choice. Like if a woman and a man walked in, it was always the man that got hired for hundreds of years. So that was sort of my take on it. I didn't think about it as, well, we have to hire a woman. And so, and then now you're like, oh, wow, I'm just a quota. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling that it's the solution. I think that there, I think that in our hiring practices, I think that in our education, we need to be more intentional about Letting our students, our prospective employees know that the world is yours to garner. I think that we need to do a better job at that. I think that we also need to look at other legislation that that prohibits or creates these barriers. Like I, I learned of one yesterday. I'm here in Arizona in a in a conference right now, and we were talking about some licensure issues to some different professions. And I learned that for many professions, if you don't speak the English language, you can't license. And I was honestly shocked. I had never thought of that. And I thought, what are we creating with this? We have so many capable people. And if if English is a second language, you know, is this yet another barrier that we need to tear down? that really is crippling somebody more than it should? And how does it impact our economy in the day and age that we live in? Yeah, that's interesting. I was doing some reading this morning and kind of tying this back to our healthcare conversation a little bit earlier. I was reading this article about an, an interview between a doctor of color and they were talking about affirmative action. And they were just talking about some of the barriers that minoritized groups may face when trying to get into college or get into medical school in this particular case. And, you know, individuals from minoritized groups might not have as easy access to loans. They might not have parents who went to college. So they don't have like this close mentorship of this is what the process looks like. These are the, the next steps you need to take. They might not have the, the funds to buy college preparatory materials that help them 
like successfully take the entry exams. For me, it was just enlightening to kind of broaden my perspective of what maybe are some of the barriers that exist. And if this is the decision that's been made by the Supreme Court, let's just not ignore that these barriers are there, but let's move forward and try to find ways to address them. So what else does a bolder way forward have in mind, uh, your plans moving forward now that the project has launched? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, related to this piece that we're just talking about, we, one of our focus areas is higher educational attainment. And we're looking at, particularly in Utah, we're, we're seeing this trend where women are getting bachelor's degrees at about or slightly above the same degree as men. But there continues to be one of the largest gaps in graduate degrees. So I think that, I mean, that's one area where I think we'll see some some initiatives and movement. How do we encourage more women to get graduate degrees? Which then, tying it back to finances, like it's, you can get higher paying jobs when you have a, a graduate degree. And especially, you know, depending on what industry that you go into. Okay. Any final thoughts as we wrap things up that we need to know about a bolder way forward, uh, just diversity, equity, and inclusion in general? First of all, I would encourage anyone listening to this to hop onto the website and explore it and really kind of think about areas that they either may have interest or maybe areas that have impact to them personally. I would encourage that. And then secondly, would say we're all in this together. And I think that we need to, I mean, I find myself as I ponder some of these things or as I get involved in just different projects or boards or whatever, I find myself just taking some little self-analysis just to make sure that I'm not exhibiting behavior that is maybe biased towards something or somebody else. I mean, you know, so maybe your own personal awareness campaign as to how you're really thinking about these issues that we're facing today. And I'll just say, again, our website is a bolderwayforward.org. And we see this initiative as helping women thrive and girls thrive. But as we do that, families will thrive, communities will thrive, Utah will thrive. Love that. And also I would throw in, don't be scared of change, either in yourself, if you need to grow or of other people coming in that you just haven't had contact with before. All right. Thank you so much, Emily Dorowski, the Associate Director of Utah Women in Leadership Project, and also Susan Spears. You are the CEO of UACPA and also the sponsor of Money Making Sense. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.